it's so it's it's so complicated. It, it just this whole thing is so complicated and and it feels complicated for the first time for me because I'm living it. Um like I'm personally impacted by this. Um obviously not in the same way um that any of my fellow former you know the former students or current students who have experienced any form of discrimination or abuse um um or feel like their consent has was not you know there um and th- that it was broken um have experienced like obviously nothing like that um and certainly i, I have no concept um of of what this man is going through right now um amidst these allegations. Um, I can only imagine that he is, um, really struggling, um, as is the student body. And I just think it's a really sad thing. I think it's a really tumultuous experience for everyone involved. And I think that if anything, I'm hopeful that this gives, uh, my school and, and also other schools, um, a hard look at the culture that they're creating. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 63 of the podcast. Today, I'm deep diving into a hard AF conversation, um, but one that I really felt called to share. Uh, But before I get into the deets of all of that... This episode is brought to you by Ana Luisa, an amazing jewelry company that I am obsessed with. Not only are their pieces gorgeous and hella affordable, but I absolutely love that their mission is centered around sustainability, using 100% recycled gold in all of their pieces. Want to match with me? I love rocking the honeycomb necklace with the deep V blouse and jeans. And I also love the fan earrings. They add a really nice pop with a simple maxi dress. So you can snag your discount by heading over to analuisa.com forward slash L-Y-F-Y-L. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com forward slash capital L-Y-F-Y-L. All right, all right. So today I am talking about something that could be triggering So if you are a person who has ever experienced sexual trauma or sexual abuse of any kind, um, just know that we will be talking about that in today's episode. And um, yeah, if you need to give yourself some self-care and not listen, I totally get it. Um, But I also um, want to share that this is a uh, allyship podcast dedicated to the Me Too movement and what it has become and how I feel like I fit into it. And also an open conversation for you and I to deep dive into what this looks like for us as women. Um, so yeah, here we go. Hey guys. So I'm coming at you 
with a very unexpected topic. <laughs> I like to play this game though, right? Let's be honest. Um, and a conversation that I don't honestly know how to hold space for. And I'm being really honest about that with you because this is different than any other solo episode I've ever done in the sense that I am not an expert on this. And and while I have come to you about topics that, you know, I am not an expert on either, um, they're usually mindset-based. And I'm definitely an expert on mindset work um, and navigating that or an expert on my own life. Um, because obviously we are all experts on our own lives and our own experiences, right? Because we're the only one who are navigating it. But this is different. This is raw. This is something I don't have the answers for. And I wanted to share this uh, because I deeply believe in vulnerability. And I deeply believe in having the courage to share things that are scary. And I also deeply believe in the power of human connection and conversation around subjects that are difficult to talk about. And that is why I am doing this. I am sharing my heart with you today because I want to invite you to the table to have a conversation about this, whether it's with me in our Facebook community, on Instagram, or with your friends. Um, And I'm also doing this for my CCPA family. CCPA is short for Chicago Conservatory of Performing Arts. Um, Wrong. Chicago College of Performing Arts. It is a conservatory. Wow, I can't even get the name of my school right. Um, I'm doing doing this partly for them, um, too, because I know that... um, the time that I'm recording this um, is June of 2019, and I know that um, a lot of you are going through a tumultuous time if you are from that school, um, and a confusing time, and maybe you're feeling angry, maybe you're feeling scared, maybe you're feeling sad, maybe you're feeling confused, maybe you're feeling shocked, and while there's been a lot of conversation online about this, and I will um, link, for those of you who have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, I will talk about it soon, I promise, but I will link um, the article in the show notes for today's episode um, so you can read um, what I'm talking about specifically from um, at least a journalistic standpoint. Um, But it has been uh, a really heavy week for me because of all of this. And I really didn't think I was going to come and talk about it on the podcast. This has been like, I've been resisting having this conversation. Usually I record my, my podcasts more than like 24 hours before they go, they go, but here we are. Um, so this is really fresh. And, um, again, I am not an expert in this. All I can share is my perspective and my questions and my feelings. Um, My feelings are not facts. My feelings are feelings. And every single person who has been impacted by this particular instance or by anything around this subject in their life has their own personal experience that is so valid and so, so, so important. Um, And so I invite you to this conversation and I invite you to have an open mind and I invite you to question your beliefs around this. 
So I'm going to take it back for a little bit because um, as you guys have seen from the title, today I'm going to be talking about the Me Too movement, which is a movement that started um, not too long ago um, in the fall of, I think it was 2017, but I could be speaking out of term. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the fall of 2017. And the Me Too movement has been uh, really powerful, especially for women in reclaiming their voice. And it centers around um, owning the fact that um, if you are a woman who has experienced any sexual trauma, abuse or negligence in your life, um, that you have a voice and feel safe to come forward in that. Um, it has been a very complicated and tumultuous movement, um, but one that I am proud to stand beside as an ally um, and one that I have been in awe of um, as I have been witnessing my friends, uh, family, uh, people I don't know but deeply respect on the internet, sharing their stories of how they are also a part of this movement, um, not just as an ally, but as someone who has been a victim of sexual assault. Um, and it has been eye-opening for me, and it has been humbling, and it has been powerful. And if you are a woman, you know what this movement has done for women's uh, rights and and women's belief. And you also probably have seen firsthand what this has done um, for men. <laughs> Maybe they're men in your life or in the workplace environment. And I hope that you've seen some shifts take place. I know I certainly have um, in the space. Obviously, I work for myself online. And so I've seen it firsthand from a vulnerability standpoint, from a storytelling shift, um, but I haven't so much seen it in a workplace environment in that way. Um, but certainly as an actor, I have seen it um, really transform the way in which the, at least the Chicago community has altered um, a lot of their uh, policies in the space, in the rehearsal space. Um, Theater companies have been shut down um, that have had artistic directors or leading um, founders who um, were overtly um, sexually uh, and physically abusing their performers. Um, and it has just been a movement that honestly I have felt – very much an outsider too. While I am a part of the Chicago community as an actor and I am a woman um, and I identify as such, um, I did not feel like I could personally relate to what was going on. Um, I am deeply grateful that I have never been a victim of sexual abuse or sexual trauma. Um, the statistics around this are incredible. Like the amount of women who have been, it's one in four, you guys. Like look around at when you're at your, the table with your friends. Like if you're having brunch, like 
more than you would like to admit have been through it. And whether they are vocal about it or not, it is present and it is impactful and while I am so grateful for um, the Me Too movement, it has also um, opened up a lot of complicated doors. For one, um, I have seen firsthand dear, dear friends of mine come forward um, with their stories. And it's just like very, very, I'm just in awe at their courage and in awe at their willingness to be vulnerable and also just deeply feel for them because I don't know what it's like (laughs) to be in their shoes and I never will. Um, Or at least I certainly hope (laughs) at this point in my life, I never will. I hope I never will um, moving forward. Um, But it is something that is so pervasive in the community and society and world that we live in and in some countries more than others. And I'm grateful that I live in a country where, uh, you know, the ability and, um, yeah, the ability to share what you have to say and your beliefs, um, is, is not just accepted, but celebrated. Um, because I, uh, I know what it's like, not in this front, but I know what it's like to hide. I know what it's like to keep secrets, um, and hide traumas and not feel safe to talk about that publicly because um, the guilt attached to that is so strong and the fear attached to what others might think or what could happen is so strong. I see you and I stand with you. Um, But when it comes to the Me Too movement, you know, I have felt largely like an outsider despite being a woman Um, because I just, I never experienced it before. And I remember, um, I remember when, when it all really started in the fall and I, you know, was seeing all of these women sharing, you know, whatever stories they had around it, um, whether it was, you know, being, um, accosted on the street or having, you know, um, a a person, you know, touch their ass when it wasn't, there was no consent involved, Um, you know, having conversations about what consent looks like all the way to, you know, full on rape and uh, just horrific things that I cannot imagine going through. And, um, and I remember sitting there and feeling kind of like a fraud. (laughs) And this is just my truth again, right? But that's what I felt like. I was like, I feel like such an imposter. Here I am, you know, a a young woman. Um, and I don't, I don't have anything to share. I, it's so fucked up to say this, but in the moment I felt left out. And this is something, a total other topic of the conversation where I I have felt left out a lot in my life. And it's, it's a piece that I really struggle with the feeling of being left out. I strive and crave community and connection as I'm sure all of you do as well. And the way in which I feel that is when I feel deeply connected to a person and um, that there's an, an, a level of understanding. And all of a sudden, I did not understand this because I had not been through it. Sure, you know, I've been catcalled on the street and, you know, uh, definitely had the occasional hand on my ass um, without me asking for it there. Um 
I guess it never impacted me um, in that way. And it certainly never felt traumatic or um, invasive. Uh, I've had one incident in college when I was at a party where um, it did. And I turned around and slapped the guy and walked away, you know, Um, and and never really thought twice about it. Um, And that's just but that's just me. That's my personal story. And I know that, that for some that can be deeply impact impactful in in a negative way um but i just i've i've struggled with this movement um because i didn't understand um but i've also felt so empowered and so proud to be a woman in the time um that we're living in um because it's just been so amazing to see women come forward and share their truth um you know women like all of the actors who who truly, truly, um, you know, stood for stood their ground and started this movement um, and started um, making a plea in Hollywood um, to eradicate directors and uh, producers and people like Harvey Weinstein to get the fuck out um, <laughs> and uh, you know have legal prosecution around that based on their actions. Um, and holding them accountable for that, um, even if it could potentially ruin their career, um, because you know that's what we're told to be quiet and just suffer through it. Um, I haven't personally experienced that from a from a sexual standpoint, but you know I, I've certainly been in rehearsal spaces where my time was taken advantage of, um, and I I did not feel like I could say something about it because I was young and impressionable, and I felt like I had to be grateful for any job I could get. Um, and I know that so many other actors have felt this way too in my community, um, and so I I hope I'm speaking um, for all of you in that, um, and giving you a voice to that if you've never felt like you could share that openly. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting and beautiful and tough and challenging and complicated time. Um, and you know, um, especially with all of the stuff with Christine Blasey Ford, um, around the, the Kavanaugh stuff, um, which if you are a woman, like, holy fuck, that was so tough to watch. Um, but like how how amazing for such a powerful woman to stand in her truth and and honestly put her life and family in deep like risk and um and torment to in order to to tell the truth and try to prevent something that um she truly believed shouldn't happen happen um you know it, it we're still a work in progress <laughs> we're a fucking crazy work in progress as a society um but this has been uh, a topic of conversation that, again, personally, I felt um, like I couldn't really understand. And and for the most part, I stood and I deeply sided with the women involved every time. Um, because, of course, you believe women. We believe women. This is, this is what we um, – are striving for in this movement and, um, giving women a voice and, um, and yet it feels complicated when all of a sudden, um, somebody, you know, and deeply love and that personally impacted you in a positive light, um, becomes the person who is front and center in allegations 
And that's where I'm currently at. Um, And I'm probably going to get emotional when I talk about this because it's raw. Um, But I don't know what to think right now. And um, the background of this, and obviously um, you can read more about it in the article, but I went to a four-year conservatory program um, for musical theater. And um, I will be the first one to say that I loved my experience in school. Um, Getting to spend every single day doing the things that I loved um, was so amazing. And getting to deepen my craft was incredible. Did I have an overall exclusively positive experience? No, I doubt that anybody who's ever been in a school has had that. Um, And there were certainly um, things that I felt were not in line with my personal values, um, two of which um, I will talk about today. Um, There were the main ones, which are, number one, um, I often felt um, that and well, this is actually all largely in the same thing, but it has two different things. So I, I went to school, um, and immediately within, uh, within probably like the first six months of school, I put on 30 pounds. Um, it was quite a quick shift. Um, but I was, you know, eating like crap at the cafeteria and, um, feeling a lot of stress and navigating a breakup. And there was just a lot of stuff going on and and not to mention just the transition and going to a new school and what that looked like and living in a whole new country and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I put on 30 pounds and, um, I also was a part of a class. So usually conservatory programs have a small number of people in them. And I was part of a really big incoming class. Um, we were a really talented class, um, which meant that a lot of scholarships went out to us, which was amazing for us. But it also meant that a lot of um, a lot of us accepted um, to go to CCPA instead of other schools that we were offered because of the financial um, piece attached to that. And so we were an incoming class of 75 people between the acting and musical theater majors, which is pretty unheard of for a BFA program. Um, and we graduated with significantly less. I think there were 43 of us when we all graduated. Um, obviously people left on their own accord and transferred or whatever. Um, but, um, I immediately felt like I got really lost in the shuffle. And I know that some of my fellow classmates can relate to this. Um, you know, we, we worked with a small amount of teachers and, unless you happen to be one of their favorites, um, you could, you could kind of get lost. Um, and, and I felt that way my freshman year and it certainly didn't help that I had gained all this weight because, um, you know, the, the head of the musical theater program at the time who was no longer there. Um, but at the time, um, he came from a, a very, um, dance based background and his favorites were always the girls who, um, had dancer bodies and, um, that was not me <laughs> and it never was going to be me. Um, and I, I quickly felt, um, like I was being, uh, neglected is not the right word, but I, I don't have a better one right now in my brain. Um, because of the way I looked, um, I wasn't given, I felt like I wasn't given the same opportunities because of the way I looked. And that, um, experience was perpetuated when I, um, you know, my junior year, 
finally started to um, really try to make changes and went on, started my very terrible um, down cycle of uh, lots of eating disorders and um, over-exercising and crap um, and quickly lost 40 pounds um, between the summer of junior and senior year and came back and all of a sudden was getting all this attention and was finally getting cast in the big um, main stage um, shows instead of um, the smaller black box shows. Um, and it was just like, it was this really fucked up affirmation that because I was finally skinny, I was worthy, right? Like that's what it was. Um, and so I definitely have qualms around that. And that was my personal experience at school. Um, did it impact my relationship to self? Yes. I continue to struggle with, um, my relationship with my body and how it defined my worth for years and why I'm so passionate about what I do now. Um, because I literally coach women on, you know, finding, uh, joy in their bodies and, um, you know, finding peace, uh, with their relationship with food, um, you know, it's a huge part of my story and one that while, you know, the trigger for that was real deeply fucked up, I am grateful for because, you know, my life would certainly be a whole lot different now if that wasn't the case. Um, but that was my my big qualm and my personal experience at school. I never felt unsafe. I never felt um, I never felt like at any time, uh, I was, you know, um, being sexually advanced upon by a professor and I actually had nothing other than outside of this personal experience with this one person. I had nothing but positive experiences. Um, and so to see, um, you know, I'm, I'm five years outside of school and to see, one of my um, professors, um, who wasn't just a professor, but was the dean at the time, and somebody who I considered like a, like a father figure and a confidant um, throughout my time at school, um, to see these allegations take place um, really, really shocked me. Like that was the overarching emotion and feeling that I had. Um, and I wasn't alone. You know, I reached out to a lot of my classmates who, um, some of which I have, haven't really stayed in touch with very well. Um, if you're listening, I adore you. Um, and hearing their experiences and asking them if they had, you know, felt this way, you know, all around, I, I felt and saw just shock. Um, and again, stories, um, attached to the person I originally was talking about who is no longer there. Um, they were like, I just figured it would be about this person. <laughs> and, um, to see that it was about somebody that I, I, I have nothing but positive memories around, um, made me involved in this in the first time um, in a personal way, right? Because it's one thing to see stories and side with people and stand beside people um, 
when you're not personally impacted or affected. But what about when you are? What about when the person in question is somebody that you know and you have personal experiences with? It becomes complicated. And I hate as a woman to say that. Um, And I'm certainly not saying that I do not believe the people who are coming forward or that I do not stand with them because their truth is 100% their truth and that needs to be heard and seen. But for the first time in this entire Me Too movement, it's caused me to ask the question, what about the other person? What about the person who's being um, accused, right? Like where where do we do due diligence there? How do we toe the line of what is true and what is true for them? And it becomes complicated, or at least it feels that way to me. Um, and I know that this is probably gonna um, going to receive a lot of... Um, conversation around. And I'm open to that. Like, I want to hear your perspective, whether you are personally impacted by this particular thing, um, or you are just a person who was living in this world, um, amidst this me too movement. Um, because it feels, it feels complicated. And, you know, I was talking about this to some of the men in my life, because obviously my perspective is, privileged as a woman in this Me Too movement, right? Um, And it was really interesting to hear, um, you know, hear the conversation of like, I want to be an ally and I want to Um, I want to be able to support women in feeling heard and seen, but also, um, you know, trying to figure out what their place is now, which of course is a deeply privileged place to be coming from, to not have had to ever ask these questions in the first place. Um, You know, but, but not just to have to ask these questions, but how to, and, and how to support, but also like, you know, we live in a society in the United States, Canada, where there is a judicial system where, you know, it's innocent until proven guilty. And yet, through all of this, um, I feel I I I mean I have felt and also have heard other people express that it seems like that um, concept has been thrown out the window, and I think that in order to truly make waves and to see shifts, you have to go to the extreme in order to come back. Um, but I also know that. Just like, you know, if you've seen the the documentary um, on Netflix that has is now apparently the most watched document, what's not a documentary series on Netflix, When They See Us, it's incredible. Um, if you have not already watched it, I'll link it in the show notes for you. Like, please go. Just know that it is incredibly challenging to watch and heartbreaking, um, but so deeply important, um, you know, but it's like these five boys were um, convicted of a crime that they didn't commit, um, you know, and they went through the judicial system. So, and and it failed them. And and so I'm not saying that the judicial system would not fail, uh, you know, a, a trial either. And I think that it's been really important 
that, um, you know, a lot of the people that have been ca- been called out um, very publicly for um, as part of the Me Too movement, like Harvey Weinstein, have gone through due diligence and had, you know, trials um, to, to prove um, all of the things that have taken place. I think that's been a really important step. Um, however, I've, I've also seen, um, that not happen and, you know, people's lives get completely destroyed and, um, their, yeah, livelihood gets removed. And I don't know what's going to happen with my former professor. Um, but I imagine that action will take place, um, and he will probably be let go. And while I'm not saying that that's the wrong choice, what I am saying is that I think it's more complicated than being the right one. Does that make sense? Um, because, because it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's so complicated. Just this whole thing is so complicated and, and it feels complicated for the first time for me because I'm living it. Um, like I'm personally impacted by this, um, Obviously not in the same way um, that any of my fellow former, you know, the former students or current students who have experienced any form of discrimination or abuse um, um, or feel like their consent has was not, you know, there um, and that it was broken um, have experienced like obviously nothing like that. Um, and certainly I, I have no concept, um, of, of what this man is going through right now, um, amidst the, these allegations. Um, I can only imagine that he is, um, really struggling, um, as is the student body. And I just think it's a really sad thing. I think it's a really tumultuous experience for everyone involved and I think that if anything, I'm hopeful that this gives uh, my school and, and also other schools um, a hard look at the culture that they're creating. Um, you know, being an actor and being a part of the actor life, it's it's really easy to get um, very blurred lines when it comes to culture, um, especially around consent. Um, if you're not a part of this community, it's, it's kind of hard to, to understand and put yourself in it, but we are very physical beings in the sense that we move our bodies. We work together in very close capacities. I mean, I've kissed more people on stage than I've dated in my lifetime, you know, um, like that's just a part of the experience. And I'm not even just talking about like intimacy in that sense, but you know, dance, um, we are, are constantly moving and trusting one another to create a safe space to work in. Um, and a lot of the time, because of that, we become close very quickly. You become a family with your cast and the lines of consent can get blurred that way. Um, and, you know, some people are totally, totally fine with hugs and like spoon cuddling. And again, if you're not part of this community, it might feel sound so super crazy, but like, that's just a part of what we do. Massage circles, like that's a thing. Like it's just part of the culture. And honestly, a part that I love, like I'm a very physical being. I am, I can, I'm, I connect with people kinetically. Um, like that is, if you're like one of my best friends, you know, that like cuddling with me is like a very important piece of our relationship. And it just, that's just who I am personally. 
Um, and, and a lot of people in the, in the theater community are the same way. Um, and you know, it's certainly this me too movement hasn't just, um, caused, um, you know, every woman and every person and, um, and company, uh, pause to reexamine and examine the culture, but also like the theater community, of what consent looks like and how not everybody who is a part of the theater community <laughs> wants to be a part of, you know, the thing and, um, and asking questions and, and, you know, it's, it's still complicated. It's certainly, um, there is still a lot of work to do on that front, but my hope is that, um, through all of this, it's just another reminder that we can do better and, um, we can be clear about boundaries and expectations and um, set the culture in an intentional way instead of just showing up and um, and also that we as individuals can speak to what we need and have um, and feel safe to say when we are not comfortable or when we feel like something is breaching consent, um, you know, and, and creating a space on both ends. Uh, so that's my hope through all of this. And, um, and also my hope through all of this is that this opens a discussion around this in an intentional way, um, for you to feel safe and heard in your personal experiences in life and your perspectives, um, because they're so valid and they're so important. And I truly do want to hear them. I want to talk to you about this because, for me, this has felt complicated and I've experienced a lot of guilt this last week about that. And I don't, um, I'm standing here still feeling that way, but desiring to have that not be a present piece of this because I shouldn't feel guilty for feeling my truth. And I shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to protect my experience. Um, you know, uh, because it was my experience and my experience was, like I said, largely positive. Um, and I can also stand with those for whom it wasn't. Um, so yeah, that's my piece. And there you have it. Thank you guys so much for listening and for all of the links for everything I talked about, um, in today's episode, you can check them out at the show notes or at Amanda Catherine Loy forward slash podcast forward slash six, three for 63. And if you are somebody who has experienced, um, sexual abuse or sexual trauma, um, I've also put a few, uh, resources in the links for you as well, um, as a place to go. Um, if you're feeling like you need that, um, Thanks for sticking with me, you guys. I know this is uh, a tough conversation, but I also believe that being vibrant and living our fuck yes life means uh, embracing the suck and embracing the tough stuff and having the courage to talk about it. So I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate you guys being willing to listen, and I'm looking forward to the conversations we'll have around this topic. Um, And I urge you to be... Um, open and I urge you to be kind to yourself and to others and above all um, I urge you to share if this um, episode resonated um, if you feel like it's an important conversation um, if you're a part of the CCPA community um, 
please share this with your fellow humans and, um, always, always, always know that my door is open if you want to talk. So literal virtual door, but, (laughs) um, I'm always here for you guys. So until next week, I'll see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye.